Well, it's been a, a great pleasure and an honor for us to start reading our books. The first book is called The Booth, and it's all about having a quiet time in the presence of God every day. So many people I am meeting are in a state of stress, anxiety, even depression. This book in just everyday language will show you exactly how the Lord wants us to live. So I pray that this will bless you. We're doing it for no other reason, just so that you will get closer to Jesus Christ as your friend. Chapter 8, Increased Faith. If we desire to walk by faith and not by sight, then we desire a very good and honorable thing. But it will never happen if we are not spending quality time in God's presence. We know only too well what the Word of God says about obtaining faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. What I have experienced in my own life and have read about much in the lives of the saints who have gone before us is that all of them, without exception, spend time in the booth with their blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. This includes people like Martin Luther, John Wesley, Dwight L. Moody, Amy Carmichael, Mary Slessor, Charles H. Spurgeon, Andrew Murray, William Booth, Billy Graham, just to mention a few. How does one come to this conclusion? Well, you see, when we get out of the boat and walk on the stormy seas of life, Often the waves become so huge that we cannot see land. Then we had better know this miracle-working God. Because if we don't, we are surely going to drown. These men and women of God found that the more time they spent with Jesus, the more their faith increased and the smaller their challenges became. This was simply because they didn't focus on their problems, but rather on the problem solver, Jesus Christ. When we spend more time in the world looking at our challenges through secular eyes, the challenges seem to become bigger until they simply overwhelm us. As we have our quiet time with the Lord and focus on the signs, wonders, and miracles He performed, then we start to believe that all things are possible for those who believe. See Mark chapter 9 and verse 23. This makes us realize that this life has little to do with flesh and blood. It actually involves principalities and powers of the air. It is a spiritual battle that we are involved in, not a fight against flesh and blood. If we aren't standing in faith, then we start to weaken at the knees. Jesus, the problem solver. I remember a huge challenge I was faced with during the preparation of the 2009 Mighty Men Conference. Only a couple of days before the conference was due to start, Jill and I went for a run early in the morning. The weather had turned and it started raining. It became so cold that the rain was turning into sleet and we thought it might snow. 
Now, these men who were about to arrive were going to camp out in the open. Many thousands of them came, some for a week, others for three or four days. They were arriving from all over South Africa and other parts of the world. We were worried about the massive sound system as it could not take moisture in the speakers. As the two of us ran side by side, the weather seemed to become worse. I could hear the devil whispering, the big coaches are going to get stuck in the mud. The men will all leave as it will be far too cold. The hay bales seating will be wet and so on. My spirit was starting to become very fearful. I couldn't wait to get back home with Jill into a hot shower and then run for the booth, reminding myself of the promises God gave me about my role in mentoring young people. He promised he would do it, and he did. What an incredible Holy Spirit happening that conference turned out to be. And of course, the weather turned around the day before the conference started. It was beautiful and temperate. The men came in their droves, more than we had ever dreamt of, and we had an enormous harvest. Yes, God is very good. Chapter 9, Preparation. I received the following quotation from one of my dear spiritual sons. Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. Abraham Lincoln. Of course, the moral of the quote is, don't lose your cutting edge. This made me reflect on how important it is for men and women to have a booth to go to. This is particularly important for those who have huge responsibilities in society in order for them to be able to make the correct decisions in life. Those decisions could very well affect an entire nation. Apart from being a strong believer, Lincoln was an extremely practical man. You can tell from his remarks that he made. He was a deep thinker. And that's what Jesus wants from you and me. Once while in the White House, Lincoln looked out from the Oval Room window and made a comment saying that the street sweeper he could see would never amount to anything. Lincoln's senators were quite shocked when the president made the statement. After all, he always stood up for the poor and oppressed and was instrumental in the abolition of the slave trade in the U.S. Respectfully, they asked Lincoln, how could you make such a judgment about a poor street sweeper? He told them to look for themselves. The man was sweeping the leaves against the wind. None of us can say we are busier than the President of the United States. Accordingly, we need to spend a lot more time in the booth in preparation. We will find that the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom to make good decisions, become more observant, and be sharper in the marketplace. This is important even in the day-to-day -day issues where we are required to make so-called mundane choices. Make a point to come aside. Just the other day, while reading the Bible, 
Jesus spoke very clearly to me in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 9. Jesus takes his disciples aside because he wants to teach them. See Mark chapter 9, verses 30 and 31. Jesus tries to keep his whereabouts as secret as possible, and so he takes only his disciples with him. The Lord shows very clearly that it is important to come aside. This is especially difficult for us in a world where so much is happening, where our iPod, iPad, and cell phone keeps us continually in contact with others without any effort at all. It is very hard for a committed Christian to be on their own. When I first came to Shalom some 35 years ago, we had no telephone. In those days, there were no cell phones, and we had no contact with the outside world until we got our little wind-up telephone. Because the farm we had purchased was literally in the bush, there was no infrastructure or telephone poles. We couldn't even see our neighbors because we built our house in an overgrown forest. Accordingly, being on one's own was not difficult at all. We had to drive to town to find company or to meet people and socialize. Now, however, the pendulum has swung completely. In fact, to have a semblance of privacy, my family has had to put up an electric gate at the entrance to our farm. I would like to address any believers who think that because they've given their lives to the Lord, their lives are no longer their own but God's. Well, that's quite true because in Galatians, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. However, having said that, we do need to have that intimate quiet time with the Lord ourselves and obviously with our immediate family. And that needs to be worked on. We do need to do it because people can be very persuasive. It is never intentional, but people tend to think that their particular problem is the most important problem in the world. That is just human nature. I remember very distinctly once when I was sick, something that happens very rarely. I had a serious case of flu and was in bed. The phone rang and a man said he had to speak to me urgently. He insisted on speaking to me. And my wife was trying to tell him that I wasn't well and not able to come to the telephone. She asked him to call in a couple of days' time, but he would have none of it, insisting that he had to speak to me immediately. At that moment, my young son came through the kitchen door. The phone was right in the kitchen, and he overheard a part of the conversation. He literally took the phone from his mother and said, Maybe you didn't hear my mom clearly, but my dad is not well and won't come to the phone. The man replied that if he didn't speak to me, he was going to take his life. My son, whether rightly or wrongly, said, Sir, you better do what you have to do, but you are still not speaking to my dad. The man didn't take his life, 
but he was very manipulative and very insistent. I think many people may have said similar things to the master when he was on earth, but the Lord was never influenced by man's opinion one way or the other. He did only what his father told him to do. If you look through the four Gospels, you'll find that many a time when the disciples were looking for Jesus, he was spending time with his father. Everyone was literally standing still, waiting to hear from God through Jesus. Yet he did not allow the pressure to get to him. I firmly believe that many people who suffer from mood disorders, anxiety, and so forth, have actually worn themselves out to the point where they have nothing left to give. Many of them are wonderful people, and they have literally spent themselves giving to others. The sad part about life is that the person who insisted on speaking to them in the first place would simply go and find somebody else if they were turned away. Taking the initiative. We really need to take time out to spend with God. If we don't, nobody else will. So we need to take the initiative. We need to lay down the law and insist on spending time with God. We will find ourselves refreshed and more than anything else, we will have something to offer others. If we don't do this, the very same people who insist on taking up our time and eventually get their own way will find that we are exhausted and cannot give them good godly counsel. They will still blame us and be disappointed, yet off they will go to find somebody else. It is therefore in our best interest to come aside and be quiet for a time. They tell me that when the French Revolution took place and the Republic of France was formed, instead of having six days work and resting on the seventh, they decided to do everything in tens. They would work for 10 days and then have a day off. But it did not work because the horses were literally falling down in the streets and collapsing because they were totally exhausted. Now, if that is what happens to God's creation, the animals, then how much more is it relevant to us? Even God himself took one day off to rest the Sabbath. For six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day, he rested. Genesis 2, 1 to 3. And there is a good reason for that. It is not just physical rest we need. It is mental and spiritual rest too. And yet, when I look around me in this day and age, I am very disturbed when I see on the Sabbath day that everybody goes shopping, working mothers try to do their washing and housekeeping. When do they rest? That is why many people end up using drugs, tranquilizers, or something else to stimulate them so that they can keep going. Eventually, it stops working, and they end up in a heap on the ground, just totally worn out. A calm attitude. We were never made to be like this. Yes, we were created to work, 
something that should be enjoyable and good fun. I am enjoying my life at the moment more than I ever have before. Yet I am working harder than I have ever worked. However, I am in constant fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We need to take that time out. What's the old saying? All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. A special word to those who are aspiring preachers. You need information. You need stories. And you need examples to tell people. Otherwise, you will become a boring preacher. You also need to take time out to rest. I read a beautiful example of this in the life of Sir Francis Drake, a great hero and one of England's father figures. The French Navy was advancing toward the shores of England. At the time, the English had the most powerful navy in the world. Drake was having a game of bowls when he saw the French army approaching the White Cliffs of Dover. Instead of panicking or rushing to his ship, he finished his game of bowls first and then proceeded to do battle. Unsurprisingly, he won the day. When we have a calm attitude, we can think carefully and plan properly, and then we will be successful. But when we are living a life of continuous disaster and crisis management, we cannot sustain that kind of lifestyle. We need to draw back. As a brand new Christian, I would have preached anywhere and everywhere that I could, but I received very few invitations. I think the Lord orchestrated that because He knew it was all about Angus Bucket in those days and not about Jesus. Since then, as I have grown older and matured, I received numerous very tempting invitations to speak at large gatherings, yet I seem to spend my life saying, sorry, I can't make it. The reason is because I need to spend time with God. Otherwise, I will have nothing to offer. It seems that when God can trust us to spend time with Him, then He opens doors for us. But until that time, He will be reluctant to give us those invitations. Remember, at the end of the day, it's all about the Lord and not about you or me. Yes, indeed, we need to come aside and give the Lord time to speak into our lives. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Boost.